1: we have been monitoring your radio broadcast
2: for good many years. The revolution is on.
0: Alright, pay attention, stupid. Good little
2: plug for us. I, I like, that. like that. A voice for freedom and the American spirit. It's called taking care of business. A beacon of hope. <laughs> I was looking for donuts. Often imitated, but never duplicated. This is unbelievable. This is the one and only revolution with Jim and Trev. The perfect mix of
0: low intellect, high lack of ambition,
2: and limitless parental support welcome to the revolution with jim and trav presented by outdoor channel sportsman channel world fishing network and my outdoor tv here they are
1: <laughs> i think you're bluffing i'm not bluffing about anything unknown what
3: That's what we're discussing. Unknown parts on this week's show, if you didn't
4: understand that song. Uh, Yes. And so we are going to talk about unknown parts. Unknown parts of critters that you can eat, things you can catch, and ride. And can catch you. All right. So we're going to have Daniel Vitalis on. Uh, Crazy guy. I would never want to go anywhere with him because he (laughs) he kind of scares me, to be honest with you. And uh, he hosts uh, Wild Fed on Outdoor Channel, Mondays at 730. Yeah. He's going to be joining us uh, here in just
3: a second, Uh, Daniel Vitalis. Then we're going to hear from Cat Daddy And uh, he's got uh, some interesting
4: things to say about wintertime catfishing Yeah, I don't know if anything he says is actually ever interesting (laughs) Entertaining,
3: as always Well, entertaining And also, we're going to round the
4: show out with Laramie Miller, host of The Trail Yeah, he's going to break down some uh, myths Common misconceptions, I guess Uh, You would think about being out there, surviving in the wilderness All by your lonesome Yeah, he's such an interesting guy All right, let's get to Daniel Vitalis, host of Wildfed
2: Let's do it! Unknown parts are on the revolution with Jim and Trav. Oh, there's what you're talking about. Now kicking off a two-parter with Daniel Vitalis, host of Wild Fed, airing on Outdoor Channel, Monday, 7.30 and 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. This is part one.
4: You know what, Daniel? He looks like one of those guys that would drag you out back of a bar. He'd probably make you a smoothie and beat the crap out of you with a cicada. That's, that's what you do. Mr. Daniel, welcome back to the show, buddy. Hey, thank you, guys. It's great to be
5: back.
3: Yeah, no, you eat a lot of different things, but this first thing we're going to talk about is the cicada. Is that what? That's how you pronounce it? It's like a black tie event when you eat them. Uh-oh.
5: <laughs> well, the, well you, you only get a chance every 17 years, so when you've got the chance, you got to seize
4: it. Well, you get hungry in between. Now, isn't that like, you know, the first episode was this past Monday. So cool, man. Uh, But you you went to Kentucky after the the cicadas. Isn't that like a 17-year periodical deal?
5: Yeah, picture this. Those insects are 17 years old when they come out of the ground. So it's not like their eggs hatch and they come out. They've been underground for 17 years feeding. And then they hatch out, fly up to the trees to mate. And at that point, we were catching them. And then, yeah, brought them to a very fine dining establishment where we had a white glove setting and got to have them prepared by one of Kentucky's best chefs.
4: Yeah. Now, what would you call that you were with? Is it is that an entomologist or entomologist? How an do you say entomologist? That? Yeah, an
5: entomologist. So so a person who studies insects. But remember that eating insects is entomophagy. <laughs> OK, so that's yeah. what we're practicing. And that's a worldwide phenomenon. It's been going on since the dawn of time. But, you know, were they tasty? So, you know, a lot of people worry when you eat bugs that they're going to be kind of like uh, there's going to be some kind of gooey surprise in the middle. But when you cook them, they're quite crispy. So think more like a Frito or like a Dorito or something like that, crispy, and then taking on whatever flavor you put on. So it's kind of like a popcorn type of thing or like
4: eating a chip. Now, yeah. let's say we were in Kentucky and for some reason we got lost. Okay, and it just (laughs) happened that it had to be that 17th year and you weren't around. Are they? Yeah. Daniel's not around. So but no, are they actually like uh, sustainable? Will they give you lots of good calories? Would that be something to forage on if you can, if it's available in your area? I mean, it's meat, right? Yeah,
5: they're animals. So you're talking about meat. So they're high protein. And they got good lipids, good fats in them. So, yeah, you're talking about an actually a really good, clean food source. And what I tell people down there, you know, our dinner was at the um, Ashbourne Farms, which is connected with Brown Foreman. That's, um, you know, Tennessee whiskey like Jack Daniels. That's Uh uh, Woodford Reserve. These are the bourbon folks. So I said to them, hey, in the same way that you're bourbon sits in these barrels for 17 years, taking up the flavor of the oak. These cicadas are down there feeding on oak roots for 17 years. And when they hatch, it's like a fine vintage. You're not just getting something that's nourishing to you, but you're getting a flavor you can't get year after year. Just like you can't get that good bourbon, you know, it's got to sit under there. You can't just harvest it the next year. It needs all those years to mature. This is a meal you can't just replace or or you know do again the following year. You got to we got to wait seventeen years to do it again. So, but yeah, this is something you could really survive on, and and they have a pretty long human history of being eaten that way.
4: All right, once again, hanging out with Mr. Daniel Vitalis. He is the host of Wild Fed, all new season two airing now. Outdoor Channel Monday, seven thirty p.m. Eastern Time, and ten thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Now, one thing you did, and it's not uncommon, uh, especially here in the states is to uh hunt buffalo. But the way you did it, I think you went to like Standing Rock and you were hunting with Travis uh good bull man, is it Condon? Um, yeah, that's Travis, yep. But the the neat thing is is you did it and you, and you kind of followed their ceremonial aspects and and their rituals and their rites you were hunting with the native americans correct
5: yeah that was a really awesome opportunity so so that's the lakota and dakota people out there in paha yeah. rock so that that reservation straddles north and south dakota and we went out to the largest native owned bison ranch the brown otter ranch uh, he's got twenty thousand acres. He's got the largest Native American-owned herd. Wow! Uh, so we uh, we harvested a bison out there out on the prairie, but then also had a really traditional meal with one of the Dakota elders, who cooked um, several dishes for us, but all focused on wild foods. So choked cherries, prairie turnips, and of course our bison, which we started with the tongue. Uh, you know, and for them, the tongue represents speaking truth. Yeah. And so that's one of the kind of prized cuts. But we got to eat it the way that they always ate it and got to learn a lot about their hopes for the future and to see the bison back on the prairie in a big way. So that was a pretty awesome experience, really unique. And one of the coolest things that happens in the episode is – as soon as we we cut the carotid artery, Travis is reaching right in there and just drinking that blood out of the animal. And so Ooh. I go like, "Well, I got to do it too." And uh, <laughs> so, so we actually drink the blood as it's kind of coming out of that animal.
4: Yeah, you also we'll get into it in a minute where you ate the was it the bluefin tuna heart? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, dude. You're kind of going off the deep end. His, his... You know. It's-
5: it was so much work to catch that tuna, and uh, when it came up, I, I felt they were probably hazing me. I don't know how serious it was. They were like, Yo, you know, you got to eat the heart, but, uh, you know, they picked the wrong guy to, to test on this one. So, huh. I mean, we, we I'm still eating that tuna raw. You know, it's in my <laughs> freezer, but... You know, you eat it raw anyway, so there's that beautiful heart. And, I, you know, it's like an excellent tartare. It was actually really, really good. And After all the work that went in, I think we fished about 65 hours before we caught that fish. Wow. Uh, I was pretty ready to eat that heart by then. <laughs> well, let's,
3: let's get back to the prairie for a second. Uh, you know, you've everybody's watched Dances with Wolves. They reach in there, they grab the liver and take a bite out of it. Did you guys do that?
5: You know so when we got that liver out what was interesting is uh some some native folks from the reservation started approaching and and I thought they were coming over to see what was going on but they came over to be like hey can we get some liver and so yeah we ended up cutting that liver up and and just everybody was eager to just start eating pieces of it so that is a real thing and um and they really prize that that organ fresh right out of the kill so Uh, We didn't eat the heart out of the animal fresh like that, but we did eat the liver and, like I said, the blood. And, uh, man, I got to say, it's pretty energizing, you know, a couple cubes of liver and a little bit of blood. And you don't need, you know, because it's a long time. Anybody who's cut a bison, you know, it takes a lot of work to get that animal broken down. And that little bit of blood and liver kept us going the whole time.
4: You know, I I always thought it's so interesting how you're talking about, you know, their existence, the Native Americans relied on the buffalo um, and you know, what it signified and what it meant and spiritually. However, they have no problem eating it as well. It's not like this sacred animal that we can't touch. Put it on a wall. You know, it, it's amazing if how those two correlate, how you can put them on, you know, such praise and high demand and, you know, spiritual level, but at the end of the day, you still have to eat them. I just think that's really neat, how they can separate the two, but still find the value.
5: Yeah, I think they never got separated from where food comes from, the way our culture did, right? So we yeah. all used to understand, because we, we hunted and we fished, or we lived on farms. We knew where food came from, but now we've had these generations that have gotten separated. So the idea now is, well, if if it's sacred to you, why would you kill it? They never had a time where they didn't know where their food came from. So the sacredness comes from the fact that it gives up its life for you. So it's just a much more nature-centric way of viewing the world. And I think something a lot of us as hunters are trying to get people back to seeing again, because people have just forgotten you know, that something has to die for you to keep living. I mean, that's, you know, it's obvious to us who hunt, but boy, it's not obvious to people who, you know, shop at Whole Foods for everything and and never get to see really what's, what's behind all that.
3: Yeah. Hey, uh, Daniel, we got to take a break. Can you stick around?
5: Sure can. Love to.
3: All right. Hey, we're talking with Daniel Vitell. He's the host of Wild Fed on Outdoor Channel, Monday nights at 730 and again at 10.30 Eastern Time. Yeah, love, I went
4: foraging on aisle two, Whole Foods.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: all right, Daniel, I I'm us. a hunter-gatherer. Yeah, you have got to watch Wild Fed, all new season two, Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time and 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now... Is the first season on My Outdoor TV or not yet?
5: It is. Yeah, oh, nice. it is up there. So we got a lot of folks watching it over there and uh, and, and enjoying it. And I got to say, I'm really proud of season two because we've improved it a lot. I you know I really love season one, but uh, I think now we've got some really good momentum going into season two. And another cool thing is it really draws in a lot of a lot of wives and a lot of girlfriends who, who wouldn't necessarily want to sit down and watch a hunting show or sit down to watch a show kids are watching it because they can really relate to this. Foraging component that we're bringing into the
4: season. Yeah. All right. This has been presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. He also forgot that he is a he is a handsome guy. I think uh, girls find <laughs> it, girls might find him attractive. All right, we got to get to a break. We'll return with Daniel by right after this. Don't go anywhere.
2: There's a lot of traffic out there on the information superhighway because everyone is headed to JimandTrav.com see it's a traffic jam hey move it buddy blogs, pictures, tips, recipes and a ton of other cool stuff jimandtrev.com stick around, the revolution will return in a few moments no steroids I'm good no hormones
1: this is going to be amazing no grocery stores you with me? (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> <laughs> the freshest game on earth, cooked to perfection. no delicious. Imagine that you just season the fish in a way where it looks like it would taste really good. It's wild food heaven.
6: The hunt stops with a masterpiece on your table. Oh,
1: I'm so pumped about this. Taste of the Wild, Mondays beginning at 7 on Outdoor Channel.
0: High Mountain Seasonings. Do yourself a flavor with over 200 different items. And look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you or on the web at www.himtnjerky.com.
2: The revolution with Jim and Trav is back with unknown parts, comments, suggestions, and feedback always welcome. Where? At jimandtrav.com. Now let's get back to Daniel Vitalis, host of Wild Fed, airing on Outdoor Channel, Mondays at 7.30 and 10.30 p.m. Eastern, presented by My Outdoor TV. Stream on your favorite device or download to watch anywhere, anytime. My Outdoor TV at myoutdoortv.com. Here's part two.
3: Hey, we're back. We're talking unknown parts in this week's show. And, of course, before the break, we had Daniel
4: on. He's the host of Wild Fed, airing on Outdoor Channel Mondays at 730 and 1030 Eastern Time. Yeah. Now, you got to tell me, I don't know if this is going to be in uh, Season 2 of Wild Fed, but they're found in Arizona and I think, like, South America. How do you say that? Coda Mundi, Codamundi? Codamundi? Oh, the Cody Mundi. Uh, yeah. You know,
5: we, we don't hunt one in season two, but we do, uh, our friends do cook one for us. Yeah. So they came upon one in Arizona. You can take one a year. It's related to the raccoons and the ringtails. <laughs> really? And uh, I got to be honest, you know, it's a little embarrassing to say it, but I didn't even know this was a mammal in North America, no less that there was a hunting season for them. But, uh, <laughs> really? but yeah, for those who hunt the canyons of Arizona, it's an animal that usually I think people come across them. Um, and you can take one a year, and uh, they're delicious, man. Braised, fantastic. Yeah.
7: Well,
3: actually, I I was hunting in uh, around Morenci, Arizona, and uh, we went into a cave. Actually, it's probably an old mine, but nevertheless, and back at the back of this thing was, and they call them ringtail cats, but uh, nevertheless, it was
4: pretty good size. Yeah. Wow. And behind that was Daniel. <laughs>
2: he was,
7: he was, With a
4: knife and a fork and a napkin. He was hiding. I, you know, I love, you know, Wild Fed, it's like one of the only shows that's going to promote. People, go python hunting. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you guys travel down to the Everglades, right? Yeah, we went
5: down a couple times. I don't want to reveal too much about the episode, but uh, you know, I got to say, getting onto those, there, there's these little islands in the glades. They're man-made because they dredged out canals for travel. So all the stuff got piled up on the sides. I mean, they're only a couple feet high, but it's just alligator tracks through there. And we're crawling around in the dark on alligator trails, looking for these uh, for these pythons. And uh, it was pretty harrowing. I got to say, you know, I had to keep it together because I'm on camera. But my crew is a little bit nervous behind me, (laughs) uh, you know, about what we're going to bump into. But it's pretty sad, actually, when you get down there, because we spent several days and several nights in the Everglades, never saw a rabbit, never saw a raccoon, never saw a possum, because all those small mammals just literally been decimated by the uh, python invasion. Never
4: saw his cameraman either. Yeah, I haven't found that guy (laughs) yet. Yeah, I was actually... you know, really interested in what you're doing. In raccoon population is down 99 percent. Possums 98 percent. tailed deer 94.1 percent. And since like 2003 to 2011, uh, studies and surveys indicate that 90 or 87 decrease in bobcat population. Like. These things nothing stops them. There's really no predator that goes after them besides man, correct?
5: Yeah, no one even nothing even really understands that they're there. They're so camouflaged. Their the hunting strategy is so novel to the Everglades. And at this point, you know, our guide down there uh He's found, I think, three or four times he's come upon them eating alligators. So at Mm. this point, they've run out of other stuff. They're just starting to eat gators. And, you know, we came upon one nest. that There was 56 hatched eggs. Oh! And you're like, wow, every one of those has spread out somewhere, probably have a pretty high survival rate, and they're just out there colonizing, and there's not a lot of people in there to do anything about it. So this is kind of an all-hands-on-deck situation. Anybody who's got an interest in this ought to get down there. And do their part because we need to uh, help the the native population down there, the the native wildlife, adapt to uh, these
4: pythons. This is like the reptile version of um, the feral hog. Yeah. You know, it really is. That's insane, man.
5: Well, you know, the feral hogs, I got to say, we've got a great episode with Jesse Griffiths out of Texas coming to cook for us where we harvest hogs. And, you know, hogs are good eating. Pythons are edible, but, you know, it's not quite the same. (laughs) It's not bacon, that's
4: for sure. I I hope Jeff Bezos picks that up and, like, pays you. He's going to start selling (laughs) python meat, and he's going to be, Python, it's not bacon. That'll be a slogan.
5: (laughs) I would love that. Well, he's doing pretty good selling those skins in that, you know, the firearm company Magpul has been buying them, making belts and wallets off them. So so there's at least a secondary market for those python skins.
4: Oh, my God, that is so cool. Um, Now let's get into – you guys went for sea ducks, and uh, in the, it was in the Northeast, right?
5: Yeah, we sea duck hunt here every season, and, uh, man, that's one of the best. You know, I mean, a lot. the funny thing about it is people don't think sea ducks are good eating because they got real fishy fat. I mean, you cut the fat, it's, it's orange, yeah. and it, uh, it smells like, you know, bait. But you peel that <laughs> away, and you've got amazing breast meat. So these eiders and scoters and long-tailed ducks, they're fantastic eating, but the best thing is being on the ocean in January in Maine when it's freezing cold and there's snow on the ground and uh, and you're out there on the water. I mean, it's just a very different thing than uh, than a you know fall time puddle duck hunt.
4: Yeah, if you're attracted to hypothermia yeah. and, and rough seas, this <laughs> this is the hunt for you. It really is. Go for King Eider.
5: <laughs> if you like quiet time on the water. Anyway.
4: You better take a lot of rounds. That's got to be a... a Tough, tough hunt, man.
5: Yeah, you know, probably 100 rounds per person is about what you, you know, it's a lot of shooting. And what's cool, too, is those ducks come in low and they come in fast. So unlike puddle ducks, you know, they come in pretty high and they're looking at you overhead. So you've got to be camouflaged really well and you're blind. This, you just got to stay low because they come in, you know, 5, 10 feet off the water like bullets just coming in fast. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting and uh, a lot of action.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now on the, on the uh, sea ducks, do you have to use the steel or bismuth? uh shot in your shotgun shells, or can you use? Lead?
5: Yeah, you, yeah, you sure do. You sure do, and you know that. You know how that is. It's like pick good rounds, uh, and it's that balance, right? It's like if I'm going to shoot a hundred rounds, I don't want to spend that much. But boy, if I don't get good rounds, my hits don't count all the time either. So it's a kind of a balance finding what you need to shoot. You know?
4: Yeah. Now, when you go, you know, anyone when you go to the store and you see the price of meat or the price of vegetables and trucking's gone up and everything is just going to go through the roof. Obviously, you pursuing this lifestyle and and coming up with the concept of the show, and you've got an awesome podcast and you put a lot of content out. uh, You know, you were kind of ahead of the curve there, the trend. Um, Are you seeing a lot more people, not so much out of just desire because, hey, this is what I want to do, but almost a mandatory thing now? You know, not everybody can afford to go to the store and buy things. Are you finding that this lifestyle is? is gaining a lot of momentum and traction and but for the right reasons really.
5: Yeah, no question. I think even just that little bit of fluctuation we saw in the in food distribution with some empty shelves was enough to shock some people. We'll see how many people stay on board, but there's been a huge interest. And I really love like we have an episode this season um where we where we turn acorns into food, my wife and I. Oh wow. And we use them to uh, we cook squirrels and acorn and, uh, man, it's just this cool thing because most people live in a place where there's oaks, and that means that everybody's got access to a high-protein, high-fat, high-carbohydrate nut. It takes some work to turn it into food, but n- no one ever has to worry about going without food if they live in the temperate zone. You just learn a couple of plants like that. And, you know, you, you've got those bases covered. So that's one of the things I love about the show is getting to share with people that there's these foods that are and, – and in many cases, too, it's not just people who are worried about food security. We're also seeing simultaneously that chefs want these foods because they're the most unique flavors and ingredients that they can get. So you've got the people who are interested in it because they want food security. And, you, and sovereignty, and then you've got the the chefs who are interested in it because it's the best. They're the best culinary ingredients. You bet. So right now is a really exciting time for people like me who who are a little bit ahead of the game on this because we got a lot to share. People lived on acorns. This is our ancestral food, and so it's really exciting to bring it back because this is like deep in our antiquity. We've always eaten acorn.
4: You bet.
3: Hey, we got to leave it right there, Daniel. I got awesome beyond again.
4: Thanks, guys. Yeah, um, I got to start like reading the dictionary. <laughs> all right, so <laughs> Daniel Vitalis is the host of Wild Fed on Outdoor Channel. All new season two, Outdoor Channel Monday, seven thirty p.m. Eastern Time, and ten thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Can pick up the first season. All you want, binge watch it on uh, my outdoor TV Jimbo who we got coming up next hey coming up next we got cat daddy the Kansas cat man yeah now Mr. Daniel to learn more about you wild fed all new season two your partners socials all that good stuff in your your awesome podcast man where can we find you online yeah the podcast is wild fed you can find that everywhere you can find our website wild-fed.com
5: and my Instagram account is at Daniel Vitalis I write a lot there so go check out what I'm doing there and uh Wild fed on Instagram is uh, the
4: Wild Fed account. You bet. Hey, cat daddy. Right after this. Dude, you are so awesome. God bless you. We love you,
2: Daniel. Thanks, guys. Can't wait to talk to you again. Take care. Our website is awesome. trav.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tinder. We're all over social media, even on Pinterest. Mainly for the awesome recipes we like to eat. Stop judging us. Trav.com.
1: If it's head-turning trick shots you're after or an unexpected polar plunge, Viral Outdoors has you covered.
2: That's what I'm talking about. We're
4: throwing up our tents around the country and serving up the world's best hunting and fishing viral videos. Y'all ready to see some?
1: Get ready for Viral Outdoors, Tuesdays at 11 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel.
2: Outdoor adventure and great eating go hand-in-hand hand with all of our High Mountain Seasonings jerky kits, and sticks, buckboard bacon, finishing sauces, rubs and shakers, marinades, and more. Go to HIMTNJerky.com or call 1-800-829-2285 today. The Revolution with Jim and Travis back. Now here's our very own captain of the SS Tuna Tub, Cat Daddy. I'll never go fishing again. This is in my friend. Brought to you by High Mountain Seasonings. Visit them to spice up your wild game cuisine at himtnjerky.com. Here are the boys.
3: Hey, we are back. We're talking unknown parts, and there's a lot of unknown parts in our next guest.
4: Yeah, actually, what our last guy eats, Cat Daddy uses as bait. <laughs> Cat Daddy, have you ever used cicadas as bait? I wouldn't waste a good potato on bait <laughs> for nobody. No, no, cicada. Cic- it's a bug. The bug. The oh, c-
7: cicada. Hell, I like you
4: potato. <laughs> Put a little sour cream and butter. I
7: ain't going to ruin no good french fry. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, cicada's a good bait, man. Really? Real yeah. good bait. Oh, yeah. They get to fly, run that hook to him man, throw them out by some brush. <laughs> they get to flopping them wings. <laughs> yeah. I've seen them catfish jump clean out of the water and catch them in flight.
4: I'll tell you what. Our, our last guy, he likes to uh, deep fry them and eat yeah. them. He says they're a lot like, uh, what did he say, like a Frito. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
7: we, we don't want to know his
4: name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Mr. Cat Daddy, what are the catfish doing right now, buddy?
7: Well I tell you what, they're they're hungry and heck, man, the catfish are <laughs> Boy, if, if you could just go out anywhere out on the lakes right now, everything's unthawed. You go right off the bank, man, and catch some really nice channel cats right now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know the interesting part? I was reading, uh, you know, like sports news, and they had some guy chopped the hole in the ice in one of the northern states. I don't know whether it was uh, South Dakota or Missouri or wherever, but uh, he caught like a 18-pound Flathead, or something like that, which was a state record.
7: Wow, he must the have dropped it right on top of that fish's head, man. Usually, them flatheads are sound asleep right now.
4: Yeah, <laughs> so I was, I was, uh, since when is Missouri north? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gonna <kinda> east for <laughs> us. <but. laughs> yeah, oh my god. Anyways, is there a good ice fishing in Missouri? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, but I had to be. I actually, I, I. You meant to say like Minnesota or something? Or- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cat Daddy was like, I could have what? said Florida, but there was no ice down there. <laughs> There's good ice fishing in Florida, Cat Daddy.
7: Uh, well, I tell you guys, man, the catfish are hungry right now. There's no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Any type of shad gut or shad head, boy, they'd tear it up right now, especially if you get a good wind blowing into the bank. Yeah. Look out, boy, because you'll have plenty of fish to eat for supper.
4: Now, you know, you've been talking a lot about shad, and uh, we've had some cold temps. This week, though, we've had, like, record-breaking cold. It has been damn chilly. Um, now, there is going to be that shad thaw. You know, it's going to freeze, and it's going to freeze pretty damn hard, and then come, you know, later on this week and next week, we're going to get up to the 30s and 40s, and it's going to melt. Are you going to be out there netting that shad?
7: Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be looking for it on the wind-laden banks. That, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, belly I, up. Still, still kicking, but belly up. Well, you know, I,
3: I'm really surprised that uh, they're so susceptible to the cold because, yeah, I mean, they're obviously cold-blooded, critters and uh why would why would they uh, freeze like this and die
7: and hey man it, i don't know it just puts them in like a state of shock and uh most of the time they're three quarters alive and you know they're moving around a little bit but they're not able to escape you know it's, it's actually get away like they've been numbed up or something you know i really don't know what the situation is with that but it must be just a uh, uh too on cold water for them, you know, and it shuts your, shuts your uh, mechanism down or something.
3: Yeah, actually, if you go down to Florida during a cold snap, mm-hmm. they got signs of
4: watching for falling iguanas. Yeah, well, down there when it's cold, the girls wear a one-piece bathing suit <laughs>
7: instead of a bikini. <laughs> well, I know one thing for sure, guys. You know, if if you're out on the water and it's ice cold, especially on a river or something like that, if you can find where any type of water is coming into the river, like a, a, a fluid tube or something like that, then then shad will congregate all around that warm water area. Mm. You can throw your net and just load up on them.
4: That's a hot thing to do. Now, what size uh, catfish? You know, you're talking about going out right now just from the bank, man. Um, Oh,
7: heck, you you know, a basic catfish right now is weighing anywhere from 2 to 12 pounds. Oh, wow. that's nice. That's a nice fish, man. I mean, that's a real nice fish to catch on a nice day sitting on a sunny bank.
4: Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking about, you know, last week uh, we're hitting up some limb lines and log lines and stuff like that. Uh, Are you still getting ready for all that?
7: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're getting ready all right. We got them all tied up and all the poles tied and the end sharpens shoving to the mud bank. Yeah, we can't wait till the time comes, which ain't too far away.
4: You know, we actually had uh, a guy write in and uh, he was he listened to you on the radio uh, and he wanted to know, let's say you catch yourself a big old 60 pound, you know, flathead or something, okay, and you got it on a limb line. He wanted to know how hard of a fight is it gonna be to pull that fish in? Let's say it's only been on there maybe two, three hours when you check your line. I mean, he's still got a lot of strength <laughs> left. How He wanted know how how much of a struggle is that going to be to pull that boy in
7: well don't take a net or don't try to gap him just don't put on no gloves just reach your hand right in that bottom lower lip and hang on our hellfire boy and, and when he gets that fish in the boat and he looks down at his hand, he'll know exactly what to tell you next time you, he talks to you. Well, you know. It's called bragging rights, man, bragging rights. Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right, so when do you think that spring bite is really going to pick up? I mean, obviously, we're, oh. we got a little bit of winter left, but I think we're really, we get through February, there's going to be that transition. We're almost there.
7: Um, oh, yeah, that's going to happen during the month of March, guys. Yeah, do you that's think. for sure, so n- be ready.
4: Latter part of March, middle March, or does it kind of depend where you're at?
7: Let me rub my crystal cat ball here. Yeah, it looks like about the middle of March. (laughs) All
4: right, Cat Daddy, do you have anything available, man? People want to get out. People want to pick your brain. People want to see what you got buried in your garage you Have any appointments available?
7: That cost the money to see what's in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, www.catdaddyguideservices.com. Just give me a holler, man. We'll write you up, get you on the book, and get you ready to catch some cats.
3: You bet. And if you'd like to write Cat Daddy, send him a photograph of your latest and greatest, maybe your girlfriend, uh, send it to CatDaddy underscore one. At msn.com
4: That's right And this has been brought to you by High Mount Seasonings Visit them online to spice up your shad guts And your fish And your wild game And anything uh, you want At himtandjerky.com Jimbo, who we got coming up next? We got Laramie Miller He
3: has a program called The Trail He's out there on uh, on the trail on his horse And trying
4: to find his way back Exactly He is the modern day mountain man Laramie Miller Mr. Cat Daddy though God bless you We love you friend
7: Last time I rode a horse it bit me (laughs)
2: Can I borrow your internet? (laughs) Jimintrav.com Everything outdoors is right there Stay tuned, the revolution will return right after this The
1: firearms that made history From classic to cutting edge
0: It's this amazing concept of a technology
1: We've moved on to guns that fire 6,000 rounds a minute Get an inside look at the weapons that changed the world with host Joe Montagna
6: Go ahead, make my
1: day. Gun Stories, all new, Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Outdoor Channel.
2: Sprinkle the best of Western flavors by ordering from High Mountain Seasonings at HIMTNJerky.com today. That's HIMTNJerky.com. We're back The revolution with Jim and Trav is on the air With unknown parts Ready? Here we go Now here's another two-parter With Laramie Miller Host of The Trail on Outdoor Channel Fridays at 9pm Eastern Presented by Outdoor Channel Sportsman Channel World Fishing Network And My Outdoor TV Here's part one Hey, we're back. We're talking about unknown parts. And before the break, we had Cat
4: Daddy on talking about wintertime catfishing. That's right. Just now be joined by Sasquatch. Love this guy, Laramie Miller. He is the host of The Trail, all-new series, Outdoor Channel. You have to watch it every single Friday, this coming Friday as well, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Mr. Laramie, how's it going, buddy?
8: It is going good, and you guys? Pretty darn
3: good. You know, the thing is, the trail is really kind of intriguing because you're kind of following in the
8: footsteps of old Lewis and Clark, aren't you? Well, that was the whole idea for me, is I wanted to, you know, put myself out there. I've done so many things over the years like the mountain men, but I had never put myself in a survival situation like they had to go through, and so I wanted to do... Do it as close as I possibly could.
4: It it kind of, you know, I want to get your opinion on this. You know, let's say someone they're like, hey, I'm kind of chunky. I need to lose some weight. You know, everyone faces that plight. But (laughs) losing weight at home, you're doing stuff, you're working out, you're really cutting back and, you know, limiting your intake. Losing that weight at home versus you're up there on the mountain, you're just trying to survive. You're rationing out your food while losing weight. It's agony. It's painful. It's Stressful. The fatigue of the, the food upside is what? Well no, that's gotta be such a grueling thing about survival. You know, I mean the weight loss has to be painful, really does. Weakness. But
8: well, it's so crazy because you don't realize you know, the average human, yeah, without food you can survive for a long time. Yeah. But when you get in the elements and you're having to hike and you're having to take care of a horse, and you're having to do all that, plus you don't have food and you start losing weight, you can't stay warm. You don't sleep very good. It affects everything. And it's, I mean, it's pretty much just slowly killing you when you don't have any food. Yeah. So it's a slow death. Yeah. Well, from what
3: I understand, the guys that have been in that kind of a situation, or say the guys that were in concentration camps, I mean, they were eating rats, just all kinds of stuff. Of course, you had a tree rat
8: that you were after, right? <laughs> yeah. You'll eat anything when you get hungry enough, I promise you. Yeah. There was, there was one point I shot a grouse and. The whole thing didn't make it to the to the fire. I'll just say that I was that
7: hungry. <laughs> he
4: eats the feathers. <laughs> you know, you sit there and use the beak as a little toothpick there. But, you know, I think for one, you know, you went on this 30 day voyage, I'll say. I mean, this awesome trek through the Bitterroot Mountains and it's cold and you had limited equipment, just you and your horse. Uh, we haven't figured out if you died yet that hopefully at the end of the season we'll uh, we'll we'll learn that um but the mental I'm reincarnated <laughs> just for this interview the mental aspect being alone and then you add in the hunger then you add in the fatigue of just day in day out grinding the, i mean there's a lot of things it's like the deck is truly stacked against you when you're out there in the wilderness
8: well let's face it guys i mean survival is how mentally tough are you mm mm-hmm. mhm because if, if you're mentally tough enough, you can go through a lot. Yeah. But your mind your mind is what's going to kill you and determine, you know, I went out there and it wasn't necessarily survival. It was wilderness living. Mm, okay. You know, survival, if you put yourself in that mindset of trying to survive, then you're constantly giving yourself, you know, that failure aspect. Am I going to survive? No, if you go out there and just try to live and keep the, you know, the survival Obviously, that's at the forefront, and you're wanting to survive, but you can't think of it as surviving. You got to mm-hmm. think of it as living. Look, this is this is my life for the next foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. You know, really? I don't I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive, and I want to come, you know, do the best I can. So, you know, my mindset, I put I put the the pain and the all that stuff tried to put it out of my mind, and I was just focused on living. i want to make it the best time and do the most that I possibly can to make it enjoyable, and, you know, it really helped. And I've talked to a lot of other survivalists. I apologize if you guys hear my daughter in the background. She's talking, too. She wants to be (laughs) (laughs) off.
3: Yeah. Now, now, a question for you. You know, you had mentioned about uh, your horse. Now, you just had the one horse. You didn't bring a pack horse, right?
8: No. Yeah, I just took the one horse, and, you know, he helped me in some spots, but it it was so much more work. Well, then, you know, it's kind of like
4: after day 30 that you've been out there uh, the, your horse went through the same pain. He he did the same thing With So you on his back. His yeah, his performance at the end kind of matched yours. You know, I'm not saying like you, you like you totally failed, but what I'm saying is you how you felt going in on day one. That's not the way you felt on day 30. And I would assume your horse was the same, right?
8: Well, it was the same. So we were both soft when we went in. Yeah, you know, we weren't used to the hard the elements and all that stuff. But it hardened us up. And I mean, honestly, by the end of it. We were some well-oiled machines, and really? you know, he could carry me. He had lost weight, but he had gotten mountain tough. He oh, could yeah. carry me a lot better and a lot just because he built that muscle that you can't build anywhere else. You can't get those skills and in, in that, I mean, like I said, mindset and just your body, everything gets tougher. Your yeah. body, your mind, everything when you're put in situations like that.
3: Now you living in Montana, of course you're in the Bitterroots, that's in the southwestern part of the state. But the fact of the matter is you did not have to acclimate for the altitude. Say if I came here from the plains of Kansas, I'd really have to acclimate to the the thinness of the air. So you had that going for you, but at the same time, you had just the rigors of living day in and day out, uh, you know, the time that you spent, you know, uh, I watched a grizzly one time in Alaska. He must have tore up a half acre of ground to get a little uh, ground squirrel. And yeah. he, he used more energy to get that ground squirrel than he got out of it, you know. And so he was on the losing end. Did you find yourself in the same situation?
8: You know, I did. There were times where you had to really pick and choose what you did because – you had to weigh whether it was worth the energy to, you know, let's say go hunting, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's, when it's five degrees or negative five outside and you need that food, but is it worth it to go out there and expend that energy in that cold and not get anything? Oh yeah. You know, so you had, you had to sit there and weigh the possibilities because yeah, it's, I mean, (laughs) it's always a guessing game, you know, that I always, it's amazing what the mountain man went through and you know, that, That trip, the trail, really put it in perspective for me. It was actually neat for me.
3: Yeah. Hey, we got to take a break. Can you stick around? I'll stick around, boys. All right. Hey, we're talking with Larry Miller. He is the host of The Trail on Outdoor
4: Channel Friday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern time. This show is so awesome, and I just want to go back for a second. So what he's saying, and I find it hard to believe, that those world toughest guys, obviously everyone in CrossFit, they're not as tough as they think <laughs> they are? Is that what he's saying? No. Come on. They could, ta- they could take Laramie any day. <laughs> Maybe to Starbucks. Uh, anyways, uh no, Laramie, dude, where can we find you if we if you wanna follow a real outdoorsman, a true mountain man, a guy that's literally has solid advice, you've gotta follow Laramie. Laramie contact his daughter. Yeah, contact his daughter. She's tough as hell. Um <laughs> yeah, She's where,
8: way smarter than me. Where can we find you online, buddy? <laughs> Alright, so Laramie or you can go to Laramie Sasquatch Miller on both Instagram and Facebook. That's it. Hey, more uh, Laramie Miller right after this.
4: Yeah, and it's gonna be presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Make sure you hop on My Outdoor TV. Uh check out everything Laramie has on there. Uh, he's got a ton of shows. Uh we'll return right after the break
2: we ain't pretty we don't smell nice we shot a white tail once or twice but if you don't care then we don't care so wave your flag and your guns up in the air let's go stick around the revolution will return right after these messages Thanks for tuning in to The Revolution with Jim and Trav and Unknown Parts. And you just give a listen? Tell what you think. Now, let's get back to the boys and Laramie Miller, host of The Trail on Outdoor Channel, Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern. Brought to you by Yamaha's proven off-road ATVs and side-by-side vehicles. Check them out at YamahaMotorsports.com. This, this is, is part, two. part two. Hey,
3: we're back. We're talking unknown parts on this week's show. And, of course, uh, we had Laramie Miller on. For the first part of this interview Now we're going back And we're talking about a program called The Trail That just uh, debuted this weekend And I gotta tell you, I don't know that
4: I would want to go through this I think I don't think I'd make it through it You'd have to quit shaving your legs, for one um, And uh, I don't think Laramie took a Lazy Boy recliner with oh, him So it's kind of see, a couple of things We get plugged into a tree Now, yeah, when you're out there, okay and, you know, you talk to a lot of survivalists and everyone says, hey, if I was going to have to survive for 30 days or live off the land or do whatever, everyone has a specific place. Everyone seems to say Florida. OK, um, you know, down there in the Everglades and crap. I guess they like pythons. Um, if you had to pick a place and why did you pick the Bitterroot Mountains? Is that because it's you close. it's close, you live in the area or did you do it because for one, it's very tough, rugged country. You wanted to show your viewers what could be done. Also, the how much it would actually take. I mean, why made you choose the Bitterroot, and would you do that again?
8: Well, I'll tell you, you know, there, there's places... I've lived in the Bitterroot for a long time, but there's places I hadn't gone. Yeah. And, you know, it's some of the most rugged country in North America. I've been all over the place. And this country, you know, has a little bit of everything. You got wolves, you got grizzlies, you got the cold, you got the mountain aspect, you got you know, all the stuff that the mountain men had to deal with. And there's so much mountain men history in Mm -hmm. this area. Yeah. And, you know, so for the first season, that's what I wanted to pick this area just so to to really hit home on that mountain man history. What would you say, you know,
4: if you could only pack five to 10 essentials, like, you know, what do you think, especially after now doing, you live this life, but you went and did it for 32 days straight. If you had to pack, let's say, five to ten things, what do you think would be the number one items that made it on that list?
8: Well, number one is going to be a knife, some kind of good knife, um, an all-around knife, something you can do a little bit of everything with, mm-hmm. um, a hatchet, and then you're going to need some kind of ground sheet, whether it's a sleeping bag or, you know, the old mountain man used to have some wool ground sheets that they carried around with them all over the place, and, uh, you know, that's what they slept in. You know, so those are the essentials. Mm-hmm. A hatchet and a little pack saw are great items. Believe it or not, I figured out that with those, those few things like that keep you alive for a little bit longer (laughs) okay so
4: when you're watching any type of survival show or the trail once again people have to watch it all new series love it outdoor channel every single friday night 9 p.m eastern time you're watching the show obviously where you're at there's coyotes there's wolves there's bear there's mountain lions there's rabid hippies running around (laughs) i mean there's there's all sorts of stuff out there
8: are the pre- I ran into all of them, but the hippies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it.
4: Yeah. Those were already buried before he got there. Um, do you, are the predators that big a cause for concern? Because, you know, when you watch other shows, it's like they sit there in their little tents and they hear a wolf mm-hmm. howl. They're like, that's a bear out there. And it, yeah. Is it something you should be concerned with a lot or should we be more concerned with other things like, hey, you haven't eaten in five days. You really need to, uh, you know, work smarter, not harder. What say you?
8: You know, it's all based on the time of year. Bears can be a problem. Yeah. The rest of them, not so much. Bears can be a problem in the summer months. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going in the fall and winter months, you don't really have to worry about the bears. Mm-hmm. You know, they were. Um, I did run into some, but they were never a problem for me because by that time of year, I mean, I went in October. Mm-hmm. And by that time of year, they're switching to all grasses and trying to clog themselves up. And My biggest issues were staying warm, mm. you know, trying to keep my body and keep my protein intake up enough to where I had the energy. You know, the hardest thing for me the entire time was self filming. Oh yeah, dealing with the batteries and all the crap that you know. I feel bad for the cameramen over the years that I've had because I've yelled at a few of them. uh, Now (laughs) that I had to do it, I'm like, I'm sorry, guys.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I was a turd.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the bear probably looked at you and like, yeah, is it worth the energy to eat this protein? When there's not much there. Well,
4: no, they look at Laramie and see Laramie. There is no natural predator (laughs) to a mountain man. Right. So and so he doesn't have to worry. All right. So coming up to a break, Mr. Laramie, people need to watch your all new series. The Trail Outdoor Channel Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Where can we find you online? Your partners, uh, you release clips all the time coming up new episodes. You're always giving tips. You're you're very interactive on socials. Where can we find you, buddy?
8: So on social media, it's Laramie Sasquatch Miller. You type that in on both Facebook and Instagram, it'll take you right to me. I've um, also got a website, LaramieMiller.com, and then you can always find all my previous shows on MOTV. That was Larry. Larry? That was Larry. <laughs> hey, you did you <laughs> last time. He does it every I'm time. I'm one of the stooges. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Maybe he'll, some days.
4: He'll smack <laughs> you around like you're curly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs>
3: well, hey, that was Laramie
4: Miller. And uh, we hope to see him at the end of the trail. Yeah, and this has been brought to you by Yamaha's proven off-road ATVs, and side-by-side vehicles. Laramie didn't drive one, but I know he would like to have. Uh, hop on <laughs> Motorsports.com, Check him out. Mr. Laramie, Mr. Sasquatch. Dude, we love you. Love the new show. Thanks for coming on, buddy.
8: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Attention Revolution shoppers, swing on over to our online department and check out our specials on Show Archives, Trav's Take, Jim's Blog, and Buy One Get One Free on tons of expert hunting and fishing advice. Thanks for shopping at JimandTrav.com, and stay tuned shoppers, more Revolution with Jim and Trav on the way next.
0: I'm Al
6: Simon, 91 years young. I created Balance 7 20 years ago. At 67, I went to see the doctor for the first time in my life and found I, that I had medical problems. He told me that it was normal for my age. I don't believe God intended us to be sick and old. I decided to find something to bring my health back. For 10 years, I studied pH and how important it is to the human system. Balance 7 gave me back what I lost by getting older. I no longer get out of bed with a joint discomfort. Balance 7 can do for you what it has done for me and many others. In three days time, you'll feel more energy, less joint discomfort and clarity of thinking. No doctor or hospital can do what Balance 7 can do for you. Balance 7 is the key to unlocking the healthy immune system. Bring your body back to balance. Order now, receive free shipping with the code word Al. Go to Balance7.com, that's Balance7.com. Order now and get your free shipping and a free gift with your order. Go to Balance7.com. Use the code word L.
1: Great show, everyone. We just got to get out of here. Man, this is it. Oh, no. This sounds serious
5: and real.
2: This concludes the revolution with Jim and Trav this week.
5: What the hell are you still doing
0: here?
2: Don't forget to drop the boys some feedback and stay in touch at JimandTrav.com.
3: You know, we were talking about unknown parts, and I'll tell you, the real unknown part is exactly
4: how Daniel Vitalis thinks. No, interesting guy, though. So cool. Daniel Vitalis, cat daddy, Laramie Miller. Awesome, awesome show this week. Yeah, actually, he, uh, he is the follow-up. Person for Lewis and Clark. There you go. All right, last word, Clark we got. Griswold. Clark Griswold,
3: yeah. <laughs> the last word is hey, you know what? It was cold this week, but it's warming
4: up, and that means turkey season's right around the corner. Get out there and scout. Uh, and also hammer home firearm safety, and just uh, have a great weekend, boys and girls. Uh, spring will be here before you know it. All right, we'll return next week. Peace out. God bless you, boys and girls, and the United States. Thanks for listening.